Well, again, it is so great to be here with you today, and I, I'm, I'm just excited. I really am excited about uh, just this, the, the fall and what I believe God is going to do. I'm excited about what he's going to do in your life. I'm excited about what he's going to do in the life of the church. And so today we're going to begin to talk about uh, a continuation of a great message that we heard last week. Who here was last Sunday when Pastor Mark Onrat just knocked the ball right over the fence, out of the park? He hit a home run. If you, it, it, go ahead, let's give a clap out for it. It was an incredible message about purpose and understanding that you were created with purpose. Well, today I felt like by the Holy Spirit, he actually spoke to me last week, that I was supposed to continue on this thread here for a couple weeks. And today, we're not just going to talk about that you understand that you have a purpose, but I want you to, uh, I want to talk to you about how do you find what your purpose is? How do you discover your purpose? You know, certain questions maybe like this, maybe you asked yourself this, how do I know what I should be doing? Or, or am I where I'm supposed to be? Or maybe today you're kind of like, well, if I, I really want to walk a life of purpose, where do I begin? How do I start living a life for purpose? You know, it's easy in life to find yourself where you feel unsatisfied or unfulfilled. Your job is not what you'd hoped for. Who has ever been in that place? It, it, the dream now has become a nightmare a little bit. You're struggling to find the reason why you even go to school, college, or university. Why do you have to take certain courses like geometry? Come on. You know, I was like, where, when am I going to apply that? I, I did pretty good at it, but couldn't see the purpose behind it. Um, maybe you love your kiddos. You, you, your kids are great, but you're kind of just thinking, is there more to my life than just dirty laundry and lunches and all of that stuff? You're not sure about why you're doing what you're doing. We're talking about purpose here. I remember uh, when, I was, uh, uh, just, when I was in college down in Portland, uh, I, I was driving home late one night. I don't remember why I was going home late. But I do remember this very vividly, that all of a sudden there were some red and blue lights that were behind me. And I didn't believe that I was speeding. I, I, in fact, I was quite sure that the issue wasn't for speeding. If it was, I was very surprised. But I got pulled over by the Washington State Patrol. These guys are all big. They're like 6'3", 6'4", 6'5". And so he, the, the, the officer comes to my car and he says to me, he goes, uh, Sir, have you had anything to drink tonight? I was like, uh, no, I, I haven't. He goes, so, so he goes, I got to ask you another question. He goes, why is it that you are not staying in the lines of the road? You seem to be weaving this way and that way. He goes, did you know that our taxpayers paid a lot of money to paint those lines on the road? And we would appreciate it. We would appreciate it if you would drive between the lines. You see, he was reminding me, whether I wanted to be reminded or not, what the purpose of those lines on the road were for. Maybe when you're growing up, you struggle like I did a little bit with keeping your room clean. Do we have anybody here that at times your room maybe gets a little bit messy or it was messy and your mom would tell you you needed to clean it and you would go, why? What is the purpose? And then you discovered the day that you needed to find something and you couldn't find it, that that purpose became more and more clear. Well, Paul writes this in 1 Corinthians, 
the importance of living our life or, or, or running our life with purpose. And I want to read this scripture to you today uh, in 1 Corinthians chapter 4, verses 9 to 24 to 27. Here's what it says out of the New Living Translation. It says, don't you realize that in a race everyone runs, but only one person gets the prize. So run to win. I, I like that. I think that's a good way to run. All athletes are disciplined in their training. They do it to win a prize that will fade away. But we do it for an eternal prize. So run with purpose in every step. I'm not just shadow boxing. I discipline my body like an athlete, training it to do what it should. Otherwise, I fear after preaching to others that I myself might be disqualified. You know, when I was in grade school or elementary school, one of my favorite classes, I know this is going to be a surprise for you, was gym class. I thought gym class was awesome. I looked forward to it. I put it right up there with my three favorite things that I would do in school, gym, lunch, and recess. Those things were at the top of, my, of, what, of what I like to do. And so I would anticipate when I was going to gym class, I'd look for like, are we going to play dodgeball today? I loved playing dodgeball. Or are we going to play floor hockey? Or, or, or even do, doing gymnastics was cool. And at times, I, I liked even the parachute games and the relays. But there were certain classes that everyone once in a while, the teacher would throw in there that I was just like, oh, and it'd be, today we're going to do running. Ah, oh, we're going to see how many laps you can run around the track. And I'd be like, oh, what is the purpose behind doing that? I didn't enjoy it. Now, I actually eventually became a runner and I enjoyed the purpose was winning. I liked winning races. That was a good purpose, but I didn't see the place that in gym. So here we have Paul is writing to the Corinthian church and he's talking to them. He's sharing from his own life about how he lives his life. You see, the story isn't just about running a race, but it's about how we live our life. And the context here, we have to understand this, was that Paul was writing to an audience that would have understood the whole idea of running because they were part of the Roman Empire at that time who had just conquered the Greeks. The, the Greeks had ruled over the earth for uh, many, many years of the known world at that time, and they had provided language. In fact, most of the New Testament, if not all of it, is written in Greek. It's the, the, the original language that it was written in. And so the Greeks were known for their athletic competitions. They, they, had, they started the first Olympics. Now, when I was studying about the first Olympics, did you know that in the first Olympics, all of the athletes completed naked? It wasn't made for television, folks. It's kind of scary thinking about people running around naked. I, I just like, wow, if I was going to run, I, 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 that's not how I would want to go. I mean, I'm sure you could go a little faster. And it says that they competed for a prize. You know what I'm really thankful for? That Paul didn't compare it to wrestling. That would have been really kind of, okay, I'll leave it alone now. But Paul instructs that we're to, when we run our race, that we're to, to run our race like we're called to win, to, to, to go for each step, to take each step with 
purpose. You see, their, their purpose was to win a, a crown of olive branches or whatever it was made out of that, that Paul says, look, that crown is going to fade away. But God's saying, I want you to run for something that's eternal, something that doesn't fade, something that lasts. You need to run with purpose. Now, purpose is to live with intention, direction, or design. And so we're called to live our lives according to purpose. How do we run with purpose? Well, first of all, if you're going to run with purpose, you need to know where you're running, where you're going. You don't just run aimlessly. That was my problem with gym class, that God has called you to run after things that are full of purpose, that, will, that are eternal, that you should be running towards the things of God. You know what's so easy to chase after things that don't have eternal value? You can go after stuff, homes, cars. You can go after success. You can go after praise, applause of people where people say, look at, you're awesome, you're doing good. But, God, but Paul is saying, no, I want you to run with a greater purpose. I want you to run towards the things that Jesus has called you to run for, those things that are eternal. Secondly, when we read what he says here, that we're to run our race with integrity, that we have to run like we know that somebody's watching us. You know, when you compete, I, I remember reading some stories about, you know, like the Boston Marathon is one of the most famous long-distance races that there is. And there are times where they've caught people that actually, after about a mile or two of running, found somebody, hopped in the subway or hopped in a car, and then 10 miles farther down the road got dropped off. Eventually, they got caught. Why? Because they were cheating. They weren't running the race with integrity. You know, we're called to run like somebody's watching us, like God is watching us, that we're to live our lives with character, that we honor God's word, the Bible, that we are a good example of who Jesus was around us. They actually did a show, I watched it just this week, on brain games. Who here watches brain games? You've ever seen that show? It's good if you want your brain to get stronger. But they, they did this experiment where they put people in a room and they, they had this game, it was a little bit like Operation. You know, if you touch the edges, it beeps. And so they had these people with a, uh, 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 like a spatula with a circle on it where they went around this metal thing. And then every time they touched it, they were supposed to count how many times they touched it. So the, the, at first, they didn't tell them that anybody was watching them. And so they had this lady in there. It was hilarious. And, and, and they were like, well, how many times did you touch the side? She said, 21. And they said, what if we told you that we had you on camera, she said, okay, 38. <laughs> we sometimes tend to under-exaggerate our things and we feel like somebody's not watching us. We need to run our race with integrity, with life. And the third thing that we need to do is we need to give our best, that you run with your best. You run to win. You don't run just to kind of go, yeah, I got a participation award. I wasn't really into it. No, whatever you do, you should do with all your heart. We need to realize that when we are living this life, that, that our life is a, not a sprint, it's a marathon, that it's a long-distance race. But if we're going to give our best, if we want to discover our purpose, I believe this, you must go, first of all, though, to the designer if you want to understand your purpose. If you go to anything other than the designer to understand what your purpose is, you're going to be disappointed, you're going to be looking in the wrong place. You see, if I want to find out how to work my iPhone, 
You really have two places that you can go. First of all, you could go to the Apple store. They have people there that are trained to help you understand how to work your iPhone. You don't go to the Sony store. You don't go to Value Village. You go to the, you go to the iPhone store. Or talk to any 11-year-old, and they'll know how to operate things for you. I've learned that over the years. You see, if you, if I, with my VW van, if I want to get the best tires for my van, there's two places I can look. First of all, I can go to the dealership. They'll know what the best tires are. Or I can look at the manual that will tell me what kind of gas I should put in my car, what type of oil is best for my car, what tire specifications I should put in. Well, it's the same for us. If we want to discover our purpose, and I want to start off when I say this, that we all have purposes that God has given us, that our job is to go to our personal manual, which is the Bible, God's word. That if you want to know why you were created and the purpose that God placed you on the earth, the first place you should look is in the Bible. And so in the very first chapter of Genesis, the Bible makes this statement in Genesis chapter 1, verses 26 to 28. It says, then God said, let us make human beings in our image, to be like us. They will reign over the fish in the sea, the birds in the sky, and the livestock, and all the wild animals on the earth, and the small fish that scurry along the ground. So God created human beings in his own image. In the image of God, he created them. Male and female, he created them. Then God blessed them and said, be fruitful and multiply. Fill the earth and govern it. Reign over the fish in the sea, the birds in the sky, and all the animals that scurry along the ground. What we can take from the word of God, there are four purpose statements for man, why we were created. I want to just highlight those for a moment because I think it's important for us to understand, first of all, what God says about us. First, he says he created us to relate with God or to have relationship with God. That God created us for relationship. He wants to have relationship with you. One of his greatest purposes is that he wants you to know that he wants you to spend time with him and he wants to spend time with you. That you weren't created just randomly just to exist on the earth, but you were created for relationship. And he's so serious about it that he understood that sin is what would separate us from God. So he sent Jesus down to earth to die on a cross so that we could get back into relationship with him. Who here thinks that we serve an awesome God, that he cares about you, but he created you for relationship? I think that's a good thing to clap about too. He created us first for relationship with him and then with other people. Many times we get that backwards. We look to have a relationship with people first and God second. The second reason that he created us was to reflect his nature, who he is, his attitude, his integrity, the way that he does things. God wants us to be like him. He says, be holy like I am holy. God wants us to have his character. He wants us to reflect his goodness and his grace to people around us. We're called to be a reflection of who he is to be patient and loving towards people, to forgive. Oh, man, that's a good one. We forgive because why he's first forgiven us, and to believe in people, to believe that they can become who God has called them to be. We are called to reflect his nature. 
And I think right now we need, in more, now more than ever in our society, that people need to understand that it is God who defines them. It isn't what scientists think they're saying. It's not what the media is saying. It's Jesus who defines who we are in him. Thirdly, he called us to rule with him, to rule with God. That we're called to rule over the earth. Did you know that you are called to be a leader wherever you go? That you're called to change the environment wherever you go? That you're called to impact people wherever you go, whether you're at school, whether you're at work, whether you're on the bus, you're home. You are to be a leader in your home because that's who God created you to be. Nothing was to rule over you and I except for God himself. That's a pretty awesome thing. You know, I, when I was in youth, I, the, the big thing in the 80s, yeehaw, I was a teenager in the 80s. You know, we used to have uh, messages like, are you a thermostat or a thermometer? You see, thermometers can tell you the temperature, but thermostats control the temperature. We are called to control the environment. We're called to rule over the environment. That is one of our purposes. And too often I see people that are just thermostat or thermometers that are, they, they just kind of go with the temperature of the times. And lastly, God created us to reproduce his life in other people. It's called reproduction. That we're called to make Jesus followers. That people who look like Jesus, who sound like Jesus, you see, God wants you to reflect him, but also pass that nature on to other people. We call this making disciples. You're called to be one who makes disciples. Well, how do we do this? How do we live this out? You see, these are what all of us are called to do, but how do we live each one of us our specific purpose? You see, we each have different personalities, talents, abilities. We come from different places in life. Well, I want you to understand four reasons about how you can discover your unique purpose in God. First of all, we kind of say this, it's to, that you need to know God. Oh, Pastor Todd, you kind of already talked about God and purpose. But no, I believe this. We find our identity and purpose through our relationship with God. You see, there's a lot of people that are trying to find their identity and their purpose in people, or their identity and their purpose and what they do. But you've been created to find your identity and your purpose through God. To know God is to know yourself. The more you discover about him, the more you'll discover about you. And here's one of the things that I felt Holy Spirit as I was preparing this week. This is, this is kind of that one of those places that I felt he wanted to speak to some people is that God doesn't make mistakes, there isn't anybody here that's a mistake. I don't care what your friends have told you. I don't care maybe what your parents have told you. I don't care what you hear on television. You are not a mistake. You're created with divine favor and purpose in God. Now, we sometimes make mistakes. I remember when I was a bachelor. You know, there's a reason in the Bible when it says 
in the beginning that it's not good for man to be alone. There is a reason that the, the scripture says this. I remember I was cooking some rice for myself. I'd put some rice in a pan on the stove. It was boiling. And all of a sudden I noticed there was a baseball game on television. And so I got into the baseball game. And all of a sudden I realized that the water in my rice was gone. And I burned the rice. I'm here to tell you folks. I don't know, it's a toss-up for me between burnt rice or burnt popcorn. Ooh, those things are pretty rancid things. It was pretty bad. I made a mistake. You know, I make lots of mistakes in my life. I had a great week at camp with all of the young people. I took our, the camp speakers to the airport. On my way back from the airport, I got pulled over for speeding. I, I kind of got excited. I wanted to get back home. I, I made a mistake. But I'm here to tell you today, God does not make mistakes. You are something spectacular, special, just who you are. And God's saying, if you can understand that, I can do some incredible things with you. Because not only do I want you to feel good about yourself, you're going to help other people discover who I've called them to be. No mistakes. Secondly, to find our unique purpose, <clears throat> you need to use what you've been given, what, or what you need to use what God has given you. There's a story in the Bible of, uh, the, uh, of about a situation that was going on. Jesus was, as he began to teach people, his popularity grew. You know, he began to teach large crowds. And one day he was teaching these, the, the, this group of people, and there were approximately between twenty and 25,000 people that had gathered around him. And his preaching was so good that it was starting to get towards the end of the day, and nobody wanted to leave. And he realized that these people were going to have to go home, that it could be an hour or two or three hours for them to get home, and, no, and none of them had eaten anything. Now, the problem was they're out in this remote part uh, of the area. There were no 7-Elevens. There wasn't Taco Bell to, to, they couldn't run to the border. They couldn't do anything. They couldn't call Pizza Hut and do the five buck, five buck, five buck, five buck order. They, they, they didn't have any of those options. And so Jesus said to them, look, we got to feed these people. What do we got? And so they, they went around through the camp and they discovered that there was a little boy that had, had his mom, I think, had packed him a lunch because he had five loaves of bread and a couple fish. And he was like, good, let's feed him this. Well, his disciples were like, What? 25, 20,000 people, Jesus. We got five loaves of bread, two fish. Oh, it's impossible. It's impossible. See, they were looking at the people. They were looking at the situation, and Jesus looked to heaven. It says that he blessed it, and they, he said, just begin to pass it around. And by the end of their mealtime, the little boy had enough food that to take home to feed not only his family, his mom and his dad and his brothers and sisters, but his extended family, his aunts, his uncles. There was, there was enough left over. What do you have in your hand? What is it that God has given to you? What do you maybe sometimes downplay and say, you know what, God, I, I, I really can't make a difference. What, what is your purpose? Well, God's going to build your purpose around what he's given to you, your skills, your resources. Maybe you don't have a lot of money, but God can use the little bit that you have to impact people around you. Maybe it's your words. Maybe some of you are called to just use your, your words that God has given you to encourage other people. Maybe it's an idea. 
It may not seem like much to you, but it's more than enough for God to do something great. God loves to do great things with the seemingly little things. Isn't it true in life that it's the little things that really make a big difference? You know, the smile that somebody maybe gives to you, a glance, an act of kindness. Maybe you're one of these people uh, that, that likes to write even encouraging notes to people that, that that's what God's called you to do. You see, sometimes we look for these things that are gonna be massive and huge and God's just saying, right where you're at right now, there's things that you have in your hand that you can use. You know, today I wanna kind of honor what I call one of the hidden heroes here in our church. There's a lady that served here and I wish she was here today. She, she's not here, it's Nanny Joan. Many lives have been impacted by Nanny Joan. And one of the things that I say about Nanny Joan is she has this gift of, and many things that she does, but one of them is writing cards. And she always seems for me to send me a card just at that right moment, just when maybe I'm feeling just like, okay, I I can't go forward. And it's like, you are doing great things for God. Keep going, Pastor Todd. And it's like, fuel in the tank, bam. Let's do this again. You know, those small acts of kindness can be transformational to people. What does God put in your hand? Thirdly, if we want to find our unique purpose, we've got to focus outward. Now I want to ask you a personal question. It has to do with your belly button. Are you an any or an Audi? No, no, I'm not going to get you to raise your hands. I just want you to think about it. Like 80% of people are innies and 20% are outies. It's just how God made you. Well, I want you to know when it comes to serving God, we're called to be outies. One of the greatest gifts that fulfills our purpose is serving others. We find ourselves, I believe this, when we serve other people. One of the reasons that people in this day and age, are so unhappy and unfulfilled is because they only seem to be able to focus on themselves. Can I say this? If you're constantly focusing on yourself, you're going to be a miserable person. You're going to be an unhappy person. Some of you are kind of in a place where you, you look at your marriage relationship, you look at your, your work relationships, and you're only thinking about you. And what God is wanting you to do is to begin to look at the other person or the other people around you. That when you do that, I believe this, that you're going to see your situation change. And I believe this, that one of the challenges that we have in the church today is that we have people that are coming to church and they're only looking at church as how it can meet their needs. Oh, do they have this or that? Oh, do I like the preaching? Do I like the, the music? And they don't realize that instead of maybe coming for blessing, that God has called them to be a blessing to other people. You know, we live in a place where we do, there's a lot of self-help things that are available. I believe this, that we all should be self-aware. What's going on in our world? What's going on in our life? But sometimes we can get so focused on it that we forget that maybe the biggest thing that we need isn't 
more of a, more discussions. It isn't maybe even more healing from talking that maybe our healing is going to come from helping other people. What if we helped other people? You know, there's been studies that have shown that people who get, who have been self-focused, that have been discouraged and depressed, that actually there's endorphins that are released when they begin to help other people and they begin to heal and get better. I want to challenge you as we head into the fall that this year you're going to get more involved in helping other people, serving your neighbors, serving your coworkers, serving your teachers, serving your coach, even serving in the church. Oh my goodness. You know, we're making an eternal difference in people's lives. You should be a part of it if you're not. You know, this summer we made a decision on our prayer nights that we were going to do something a little bit different. One week we would come in here and pray as we normally do seeking God. And I'm telling you, God's presence has been here on those Wednesday nights, the ones that that I've been a part of. I was on holidays for a while, but before I left, man, it was like, woo, Jesus and Holy Spirit were here. And then then the other weeks, we would go out into our community and pray for our community. Now, I want you to know that God... Uh, there was a moment where two of our, our young adult leaders were out um, praying. And as they were praying, they, they, they were walking by the Abbeydale Elementary School and noticed 12 teenage boys playing basketball. And they walked by it because they were a little bit intimidated. I, I would probably be a little intimidated too. But God spoke to them and they said, you know what, you need to go and talk to them and invite them to come to youth on Friday night. So they did it. Well, guess what happened on Friday night? All 12 of them showed up. It's a miracle. Luke 6.38 says this, Give and you will receive. Your gift will return to you in full, pressed down, shaken together to make room for more, running over, poured into your lap. The amount you give will determine the amount that you get back. Or to focus outward. The last one, I'm going to invite Margo to come. If you want to find your unique purpose, here's a, this is a big one. You got to get rid of excuses. You got to get rid of your excuses. There's a story in Luke chapter 14 where Jesus is teaching a parable about a great feast. It was a great banquet. And all of the most dignified, important people in the land initially had been invited to come to this feast. But one by one, they began to come to him with reasons why they couldn't attend. I've kind of modernized this a little bit. The first one came and says, you know what? I I bought a new house. We haven't even moved in yet. I got to go break in the house. He says, so I can't come to your banquet. The real story was that he'd bought a field. He hadn't even seen the field. The second one said, I bought a new car. I haven't even got to drive it. This car is so awesome. It's exciting. Now, in their time, he'd bought some, uh, some oxen. He had bought some that he hadn't even tried out yet. Um, transportation was a little bit different back then. And then the last guy, this one crosses every culture. He says, you know, I, I just got married. Come on, I can't be here with you. I'm going to be with my wife. And each one of these people, because of their excuses, missed their opportunity because the story of this parable was about heaven and having relationship with God. They missed out because they made excuses. 
I say this, you will either live with the hope of expectation or you'll live with the regret of excuses. Excuses stop us from realizing our, our potential. You see, to do or not to do is up to you. Whether you're going to do what God has called you to do or not, if you want to live a, a life with purpose, you've got to decide, you know what, I'm going to remove my excuses, God. I'm going to quit making excuses for why I'm not doing what you've called me to do. What excuses are you making that are keeping you from living your life with purpose? Maybe you're here today and you're saying, Pastor Todd, I'm too old. I'm just, I've done everything. I don't have the energy that those young people do. I'm, I'm too old. You can't use me. Maybe some of you are like, I'm too young. I don't have all that wisdom. I don't know what to do. Maybe you're saying I'm not that smart or, or it's too hard, it's too difficult. Today I'm asking you, are you willing to get rid of your excuses so that you can walk out God's unique purpose for your life? I want to pray today for people. You see, I believe this today that we need to ask ourselves that. Am I willing to let go of excuses are we willing to use what God has put in our hands? Are we willing to become outward focused by serving others? Maybe today you're here and you're like, okay, God, I hear this. God, something's tugging at your heart. It's stirring in your spirit. And you're like, Pastor Todd, I realize I've made some excuses or I've downplayed the things that God has actually given to me. I basically devalued them. When God's saying, here, give it to me, work with me, I can make it bigger and better and